Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm. And you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30, followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now, for the best part, let's get into the word. I know that you can save me. I have seen you save before. But if you choose not to save me, were worth dying for songs we sang to begin with are important because the message is not easy to say the message of God is not easy to receive not because it's not good but because it's so opposed to what we know to what we live, to what we think, to what we hold dear so sometimes to bring some messages it is tough because you know the people in the audience. If I didn't know you guys, it would be easier. Not because I'm nervous about you, but we know each other to some degree. It keeps on being difficult for me to bring sweet words to people. I don't think that's what God wants. Not sweet words. It's good to encourage one another, but we live real lives, fast lives. For some of you, this is going to be the most you get in the week. So we have to jam-pack it. It might be hard to hear, hard to take in. But 
reason why we sing songs like I want to bow to the mouth of lions or the furnace or be thou my vision, you are my lot, is because by the end of this, you might not want to talk to me. You might not want to be my friend, and that's okay. That's fine. I don't want friends that are going to hell. You go to heaven, don't be my friend, but I'll meet you there. You have to high five me, won't you? For going to the same place. It is not good for us to be together as we're saying sweet words as we're dying. It's a crazy thing. I'm smiling at you, you're dying, though I know I'm living. This is the burden of Christians. You live in a world where no one else actually believes in God, or few people do. Those that do are barely that. Greet your neighbor. Let's let's get some. Yes, let's get some lightness in here. It might get mad. Greet your neighbor. What's their name? Mm. Is God your God? Oh, guess not. I'm gonna try again. Is God your God? He really is. Does he rule? Does he reign? In your life? In your day? You know when people ask you so many questions at the same time, you know you're walking into a trap. (laughs) Okay. We're going to go from John 3.16. We're going to read together. If you have a phone and you have a Bible, be getting that out. If you have your Bible with you, be using that. Don't wait for the people in the Word. Uh, Okay. Giving a word or preaching is not, I I don't, I, I feel nervous to call it preaching, so I say I will share, but it's not difficult in speaking. If it's your words, you will be nervous. There is a element of people in front of me so the public speaking can get a bit nerve-wracking but I've found comfort that it's not my own words if it were my words I'd be a bit more nervous but as it seems as it goes it's not last time I encouraged us to ask questions the word I was going to bring before someone asked me a question and you should always enjoy questions be it a parent child asking you, be it a friend, someone asking you, you should always enjoy questions. You should always enjoy questions. Um, they teach. They require of you to say something, to search. So the question someone asked me was, um, <clears throat> why can't we have sex before marriage? And I said, oh. And so I was sharing with them about the word and everything. Maybe we'll get to that answer. I, I will in somewhat. So as I was coming to now preach, because I was going to preach from that, share from that, I thought, we're good students. Whenever you read a chapter, read the chapter before it to get context. Then I came to this chapter and here we go. John 3.16, I'm going to read. I'll not go at that pace because time is real. If you have your phone, go. If you have your Bible, go. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. If you don't have any verse memorized, this is a beautiful one to memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. In his word we have condemn, condemn, condemnation. The Greek word for condemn is krino. It means to try, to condemn, punish, avenge, conclude, condemn, damn and judge. For us in our English, the judge usually speaks to the verdict. So if someone judges you, he's guilty. But this krino speaks to the whole process. Speaks to a judge hearing testimony. Testimony being shared. He sees it. He goes through it. And then renders a verdict. Now, when we say judge, we think, oh, Christians are judgmental. That's what we've usually heard. I will say, though, that when people say that, I'll speak for me. I'll speak for you guys. I had a friend who was a Christian. He went somewhere else. His way was hard and time was rough and he went into different things and I said, bro, come back to church. Come on, Sam. Come, come let's worship together. Because what you're doing right now is not the way that you were born, the way that you were raised, the way that leads you to paths everlasting. Come. I said, nah, man, you're judgmental. I've also heard Christians that I've heard and they'll be like, what? why are you doing that? And they tell me I'm judgmental. We have a a difference in understanding. For some, it's judgmental. Others, it's accountability. If you say you're a Christian and I see you doing something that does not fulfill the work of God, that does not follow from God, and I ask you about it, am I being judgmental? No. I'm simply asking you, are your beliefs true? Are you real? Are you straight? a tough word here when we judge we say Christians are judgmental maybe, maybe we think of judging mm, that dress is short his hair is done but he's a boy he didn't wear a suit to preach that's not judgmental that's slander to your face judgment is a verdict so in this world I've seen that we have a lot of problems with one another because we don't speak the same language. We speak words that some understand and others do not. I cannot judge you because I cannot render a verdict against you. I'm not in that place. They say, oh, they're judgmental. No, they just don't like what you're doing. They're rude, yes, but not judgmental. When we have our judge, when we speak of this condemnation in verse 17, the judge that we understand, the creno that we understand is the verdict. So there's a separation between you and God. Oh, God is going to judge me. There's a separation between who judges and that being judged. 
is condemnation and separation. But the Krino of the Bible, the Krino spoken here, is the judge approaching. He recognizes and he approaches. And the verdict is rendered at the end. Now, this verdict is interesting in that if you go to verse 18, he says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. But judgment day has not come yet. So the verdict is simultaneous in this. Once Adam sinned, the verdict was rendered. Now we are sinners. That's why we read in Ephesians to you who were once dead in your trespasses. And then there's obviously the verdict and judgment day when Jesus comes back be an interesting day yes <laughs> so instead of condemnation and separation we have recognition and approach Jesus recognizes and he approaches you he doesn't condemn you and separate himself from you no matter what you do the condemnation here is a pre-existing condition while you were still in the world you were dead those in the world are dead. We too are dead, but a different kind of dead. We can get into that another time. We say we reckon yourselves dead to sin when Paul writes. It speaks of the baptism, actually. As you're submerged, you die. You die to your old self, to your old ways. And as you were raised, you live life in Jesus. But this death is a spiritual death. Verse 19. And this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light. We are not to be judging one another. There's no verdict for you to render upon me or I you. Titus 3, 1 to 3 says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once also foolish disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Ephesians 2, 1, 7, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love of which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of, great, of his greatness and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This condemnation that is spoken of, these people that are dead, this is what it speaks of. And now you may read that and think, that kind of talks about me. Don't fear. That you still have breath. There's still time to turn back. We are set apart we are not separate from these people. In that way, the verse says, you are of this world, but not, you are in this world, but not of this world. I am no different 
you are no different to anyone out there. You're all humans. You were set apart though. We don't judge them. We don't laugh at them. We don't push them. We don't kick them while they're down. No other sinner. No fornicator, murderer, rapist, drunkard, backbiter, whisperer, homosexual, transsexual, this, this, and this. We are all humans. But we are set apart because we pledge allegiance to a king who does not rule the same way the prince of the power of the air does. This is why I asked at the beginning, is God God? Is he your king? Does he reign? Because should he reign and you pledge allegiance, there are certain things that you are precluded from. We are set apart. This is why Jesus could speak with sinners that came to him, go to tax collectors, residences, touch the lepers, be touched by women at a time that were unclean, and not only maintain his integrity of character and spirit, but transform them. He was reachable by them, but understood he was set apart. You must be reachable, but understand you were set apart. Verse 19. Verse 19, sorry, John 3, 19. My bad. This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Why I started with the judgment to show you that there's no separation, no condemnation. but it's recognition and approach. It's for where we go forward. As Christians now, we live in this world where we are trying to be everything that we are called not to be and at the same time say we are called. You want to be out there fornicating, doing whatever you want to do and still say that Jesus is king. He is king. One day every knee will bow, shall bow, sorry, and every tongue shall confess. This is no choice. But as Christians, we are not. The, the Christians is a term that was given to the people, to those who follow Jesus, or his disciples. But we are called to be disciples, not followers. The difference being the followers knew where Jesus was. They had his tickets lined up his tours. He's going to be in Bethany this time. He's going to be in Judea that time. I can't make Bethany, but I can make Judea. If I, if I call off work, I can make it there. Oh, he's going there. I hope I see him heal. I hope I see him deliver. So a lot of us go to many churches or you go to many events and you want to see Jesus. Those are followers. You follow where he goes. Ain't nothing wrong. On the journey, you may get touched. Your life may change. But you who are here, we are called to be disciples. Here at this place, we come to teach, not to preach. So you can't come like a classroom. You can come with your notepad and this, whatever. You are called to be a disciple, not a follower. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. We have seen in these times now that 
we are trying to mix light and darkness. You can see it with the Church of England and various other denominations trying to bless same-sex marriage or do these other things. This is one example of the thing. It's a tough message. I, I'm telling you now, it's okay. Do not fear. God is with you. We find ourselves trying to be everything that God does not say and still say that he is our God. You want to pledge allegiance to one father whilst at the same time working with his enemy. Indulging his enemy. On a Sunday you will lift up, you may listen to the worship music, you may blast it, tears may fall, your heart might beat, you might remember things and you may feel like you're healed, but day in, day out, God does not rule. In the dominion that is your heart, he is not king, he is not sovereign. When I ask you, does God rule, does God reign? A kingdom is not the same as democracy. This is a sovereignty, sovereign state. There's no parliament like this, like that. No, we did not elect him. There is no vote. There is no general election. There is no, oh, but God, can I? Oh, but maybe if I, but God, like, like. There are no questions and it sounds so crazy because the world now, Satan works in a beautiful way in the principles that are required for you to function and live fully in God. He will mess them up in the air you see. So that when it comes to God, you can't even imagine it. In the air now, we'll see all this corruption, all these crazy things. And you think, mm, why, would, why would just one person reign? In this world, we have so much deceit that we need for example, here we have bicameralism, that is the House of Commons, House of Lords, and then they speak to the Prime Minister. There's so many steps between one person and something being passed. We think there's a reason for that, because people can't be trusted. You see them having parties in Corona, and then man, where you are at home, looking at the ceiling, and it's just like, you can't trust these men. And we anthropomorphize God, we make him like us. He's untrustworthy. I can't give it all to him. I can't give it all to any man. The people in your life will let you down so you also see God through that lens. Be it your father, be it your mother, be it your brother, your sister. So when Jesus Christ comes, the toughness of Jesus Christ is submission. Ain't nothing more than submitting. Giving it all. Everything that you once held dear, that you built your life upon this is not all these good things that we talk about by the way because you can think about oh i built my life on money and like people loving me no some of us are building our lives on trauma this is what you hold dear this happened to me at that time this happened to me at that age that happened to me at this stage so this is where your life is built on you cannot trust other people because you see everything that happened to you and from there your life is built so when i ask you does god reign some of us, it's not God. It's trauma. Some of you, God has not touched you. You are really just healing in his presence. It is not a touch of deliverance. You are simply reacting to his awesome power. Nothing wrong with that. If you're a follower, but a disciple responds, not merely reacts. 
This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. We are trying to live as sovereigns declaring another sovereign. It does not make any sense. There cannot be two kings. There cannot be two kings. I cannot simultaneously rule my life and say God rules my life. The toughness of being a disciple is submission. A follower is easy. You want to come lift, lift. You want to come cry, cry and go the same. A disciple stays with his master. It's that proximity day in, day out. The followers will come and they will go what? They will go home. They will come, oh, I'm tired, man. This Jesus is walking bare. Hey, this Jesus has like, well, he didn't bring food for this event. There's no catering. Well, we're just going to come here and hear him talk. The disciple stays with Jesus. His will is submitted. Let me go and say uh, goodbye to those that stay at my house. No one who looks behind and put his hand to the plow is fit for the work. Let me go and bury my dad. Uh, let the dead bury the dead. The cause of discipleship is tough. It requires you to leave everything. This is why he says, if you don't hate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, don't even come. Call to discipleship is tough. You are daily at the master's behest. He says jump, you say how high. It becomes, it comes first with a recognition that this person has something that I do not. If you are somewhere looking for something in this earth, you understand first that Jesus has something I do not. I cannot sleep. I have no rest. My heart is broken. I have no direction. I have no future. I have no identity. You recognize that he has something. And you submit. The master decides everything. Every single thing. It requires trust. You would have to leave behind everything you know. You cannot maintain a job and also be his disciple in these times. I mean, here, of course, you have to work. Don't crisis and them and don't do that but the disciple now Jesus is not a physical person so there's nowhere for you to leave work and go but the Holy Spirit is with you leading and guiding so to him you are his disciple Romans 8 think verse 8 7 to 10. If by the Spirit... Ah, there we go. There we go. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Deep. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. This, of course, because the if is not conditional. Speaking that the Spirit of God dwells within you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Yeah. Family verse that says, 
if by the Spirit you put to death the works of the flesh, please. You must be a disciple that follows. When we bow before this king, we are not joking. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Next. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If by the Spirit you put to death, if you follow the Spirit's leading. In this world, we have this thing where we're trying to be the worst of us. Mm. Let me say it a different way. <laughs> this generation and what I've seen here, not here, but in life, we believe in a God that is faulty. Uh, he can't change you. We believe in this God who is sovereign. He can change everything, but not you. Back to, back to John 3.19. This is a condemnation. That the light has come, but men have loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. We believe in a Jesus who is powerful up until a certain point. When God rules, he has to be your vision. When you wake up in the morning, you can't just come and start talking recklessly to yourself. This is treasonous, we're being honest with one another. It goes directly against what the king has said with the power that is within you. Proverbs 18, 21, the power of the tongue, the power of life and death is within the tongue. You don't have to go there, power of life and death is within the tongue. So with that power, you're using that to commit treason against what God has spoken over you. So when I ask you if God reigns, it's not that. Does he reign in like in general? Does he reign in your life? Does he decide what you think, what you say, what you speak, where you go, how you think, what you think? You must submit everything to him. You must put it away. I don't decide who I am because I don't know how to. With all my life, I couldn't decide. I, I don't know. With all the choice in the world, I couldn't make myself. So I said, God, you make me. You mold me. The situations, you will come, but you decide for them. You are my king and you reign. So we have a church today that wants to be everything that God doesn't want them to be, everything inconsistent with God, and still declare his sovereignty. You must surrender it all. Your personality, your identity, where you've held it, where you have found it, where you have built it on. Let's go to John 4. John 4, uh, verse 5. So he came into a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plots of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. If we stop there for just a second, whenever you're reading the Bible, always enjoy these little things. Uh, Joseph, 
is an archetype of Jesus Christ sold into death and slavery by his brothers. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't sold into slavery, but his brothers, the Jews, sold him. Joseph was the favorite. I have my coat of many colors. My dad loves me. <laughs> they beat that guy up on frim or something. But I don't know what he was on. But Jesus is spoken of by God. He's my own dear son. Him I'm well pleased. You can see the similarities. Verse 6, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone, into the way, uh, gone away into the city to buy food. The woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. There's a separation between him and her. Some of you go through life and you feel this shame. How can God deal with me? Um, you put wherever you put for yourself, wherever your identity will be. I am this. I'm a stealer. <laughs> Thief is what they're called. I'm a fornicator. I'm an adulterer, an adulteress. I'm a homosexual. I'm a transsexual. How does God deal with me? Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, from what she's heard, she already knows where she's at. She's looking at the well. She said, mm, uh, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? God, my life is a mess. Where then do you find healing? My trauma is deep. <clears throat> Where then do you find healing? I've been through so much and I don't see how you reach into my life from where you're at. The distance that this woman sees between her and God is sometimes the distance we see between us and God. From where you've been at, from whatever you've done, wherever you've believed, how is it that you have anything to do with me? And he says, if you knew, you'd have asked me for water. And she looks at her life. I'm... I'm this is how we interpret scripture for us and our lives. How scripture interprets our lives. Here we go. Scripture interprets our lives. I've been through this, God. I'm looking there. This well is deep. I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you get me out of depression. I don't know how you get me out of anxiety. I don't know how you get me out of this trauma, of this sinking mire that I'm in, of this fornication, adultery, homosexuality, all these things. I don't know how you get me out of there. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. That water will spring up into him, everlasting life. The woman says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst and I don't have to come here again. I don't want what I want. And I don't want to fall in here again. This sin, I fell here somehow. I don't want to fall in it again. But take it away. But also, I don't want to go there again. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. This is the answer for the, why we don't have sex before marriage. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have said, well, I have no husband. Verse 18. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband. It's an interesting thing, and the way that I read it when I was speaking, the way it was revealed to me, 
the answer to why we don't have sex before marriage. Marriage is a beautiful confinement. It's a beautiful thing where intimacy is shared with one another. The sexual act is just another expression of that intimacy. Outside of that, it is a fire that cannot be contained. You must understand of all things about all sins, they are enjoyable. That's how they kill us. As you're having fun, you're dying. That's how it gets you. If sin was not fun, it would be like vegetables. No one is looking for them. No one is actively, oh, where's broccoli? Where's broccoli? No. Where's cauliflower? It has to be enjoyable. So this is the wisdom of things. I will not start something that's going to be too enjoyable for me to stop. I don't start journeys that I don't have control over. Unless God leads me, I'm talking about myself, let's be easy. I'm talking about myself. I will not start a pattern that I cannot continue, that I cannot control, that I don't have a firm grip. I will not start watching a series if it's seven seasons, six episodes each, one hour each, and I have life. I have work. I have reading the Bible. I have ministerial responsibilities. I have people who call me. You're going to call me and I'm in episode five, minute 15. I'm going to stop this to talk to you for two hours. It causes a problem. So there's certain things you can't start because they will take up time. It's enjoyable, yes. Oh, have you watched this? Everyone's talking about it. Have you watched this? No, I haven't. Have you watched Top Boy? I haven't watched no Top Boy, man. Them drug things do not enjoy. I, I can't do it. I just cannot. I cannot devote time that will be stolen from me. Because what you understand is if God reigns and I start this, how does this affect his work later on in my life? If you're dealing with people and you just want to be losing your mind, getting angry, some of you don't have control over your tongues. Collect that quickly. You hurt someone today and God needs you in their life tomorrow. Not you need them, not they need you. God needs you in their life tomorrow. And you mess up a connection. So, sin is enjoyable. If you didn't know, now you know. While we don't have sex before marriage, that is something that goes finished. We talk about the husbands here. I gave the example of a young lady. Let's say this young lady has a, a boyfriend. They're getting excited. Ha, ha, ha. They meet. Hello, hello. Maybe they're hitting the DMs. What you doing? What you doing? What you seeing? What you seeing? You good? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. How was your day? It's all the same thing. First three months, everyone's interested. How was your day? My day was good. And then I did. The... No one cares, bro. Go to five months, six months, you've been together, maybe it's official, da 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 da. I don't know how these men be dating, I just, but. It's all the excitement, the joy, yay! You have someone to tell your friends about, someone you wake up and they can, can just, they're in your notifications. You have someone to message, as if up until now you were alone, but this someone is special, okay. Oh, I'm so happy, man. Sending your friends, he's so good, she's so good. You send a picture to the group chat. What do you men think? It's all the excitement. It goes through, you get the relationship. Let's say you've been a year in, two years in, and the sexual component starts to creep in. Now the lady, let's say she, she engages in sex. Fornication, let's play games. Fornication. And now she has known this man. That man has known her. They are now one. Now let's say things go left. You break up, as it does. Now, what we've seen in this world is that 
the amount of people you can meet now, crazy. On your phone, you can see many people. Why marriages, uh, one of the reasons people um, posit for why marriages these days don't last is you have so many options. And with so many options, Christians and people do so many stupid things. You cannot commit to one because, oh, but, but what if, what if there's another one that's better? What if they have more money? Mm. What if? And so you cannot wholly commit to one thing because always in the back of your mind, you say, ah, oh, I saw another sweet one. Now, yeah, if anyone can reach you, oh, it's either my DMs, another one, yeah. Everywhere you go, there's someone good looking. That's already a problem. But even on the internet, do you understand the connectivity of the enemy? Right here, as I am now, I can have food coming, shoes coming, clothes coming, all here. I have moved nowhere, I've done nothing, but I've spent money. Like Christians, you do nothing at all, but I've washed it. The enemy takes away your action. Where before you used to have to go to a physical shop, get out money. I tried to pay for something with cash. He said, no, we don't take cash. I said, what, do you think my money's fake? He said, yeah, I'll say no more. Because when I'm on my my normal day, I look a bit. But they don't take cash. Where you'd have to expend energy to get something. Now, you can sit here here lazily and just... So, let's say this young lady is here. Options are there. Things have gone left. They've had argument, argument, da-da-da-da, done. What we have found is most people in this dating scene or whatever, they'll have at least four real boyfriends, three, four real boyfriends. The problem with this is that those three, four boyfriends, all these three, four relationships follow the same, same thing. Hi, hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Get a trim. You still care about your hair. Still going gym. Still impressing. Still spending money all for the same thing. You get excited. I'm in love. Yeah, okay, bud. She loves me. I love it. Silliness. But they believe it. And the natural progression goes on. And what you find is you've had four marriages because these are the same principles and the same cycles of a marriage. You meet, you court, you say, you are mine, I am yours. Cool. The problem with this is there is no trust in a covenant. There is no trust that you are mine. I am going nowhere. There are many. They are there. Better than you. Better than me. I don't care. I have found my good thing. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband. You go and marry a lady who is still attached to four or five men. That's, that's being real kind in this generation. Real kind. Because these are four, let's say these are four or five relationships. We're not even counting the uh, chance encounters that lead to If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. This is why we don't have sex before marriage. I'm not trying to marry before I'm married. If you understand, you understand. I will play no games. I will not propose before I marry. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I will do nothing. Until it is right. This is what is spoken of in 2 Timothy 3. Always learning, never coming to the true knowledge. You are always learning, you're always knowing, but never coming to the true knowledge. 
you are old, you are now, you have, you have had many marriages and you've never actually been married. Always learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And what we have is, is a craziness. So we have in this world something that is, is nuts in us Christians. We need to kill it. If God be your God, let him decide. Let him decide your identity, your thoughts, everything. What I think about myself has to flow from him. It has to. The flesh is already against me. There's no jokes. Verse 10, I believe, said those who practice, I'll end with one verse. It's sweet talking to you guys. I almost don't want to go. I'm messing with you in chair. <laughs> sorry, uh, John 3.10, sorry. Oh, sorry, 320, 320, 320. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. This talks about deeds and practicing. Yeah? Your practices have to be fitting with the king. Your practices, not just your beliefs. Because a lot of Christians subscribe to these beliefs and we agree, but we do not practice it. We do not practice this. I'm going to read for you a verse that really scared me the first time I read it. And I'll leave you with that. It's going to be a long one, so we're going to go together. If you have your Bible, you do that. If you don't, you don't. Verse Romans 1, verse 18. I'm going to go and you'll, you'll meet me as I'm there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That is a really, really, really heavy verse. There's no one going to come on judgment there and say, God, I didn't know you. They are without excuse. Verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. They did not glorify him as God. Lift him as sovereign. Live as though he is. No were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. We have transformed our God, who is God, into some kind of a man. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, to exchange the truth of God for their lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Mm. In our world, we're pandering to more and more and more. Christianity is in real decline. These denominations blessing same-sex marriage is not a joke. You have to understand that we are serving the creature rather than the creator. Because we don't want them to go. We won't say it. But what I started with judgment is where you understand, recognize and approach. Jesus doesn't separate. He doesn't push you away. He recognizes and draws near. Verse 25. Uh, 
rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vow passions for even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women burning their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due, that's death. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the based mind to do those things which are not befitting, which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. How is that even disobedient to parents, child, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful? Who knowing the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same. Also approve of those who practice them. This approve is not like good well done. This approve is the consent. This is not to say that we, we hate people who are doing all of those things. Which by the way there's no one special. That's describing humanity. One by one, someone falls into one of those. But the practice of them, this consent is the same when Stephen is holding the coats, uh, when Saul is holding the coats, as Stephen is being stoned. He approved of what they did. He even made way. He said, are you going to kill him? I'll hold your coats. It's that same consent that we give. This is why I say when God is ruler, I cannot approve, I cannot consent, I cannot click like, I cannot follow, I cannot go with that. You should not go with that because those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. If you want to say some of these things are part of you, do not practice them. That's the first. The real foundation is understanding your nature. Because if you believe this is your nature, you will do it. But if you submit my identity is in God. I am whole. I am loved, separated, set apart, made holy, made righteousness in the Father, made righteous in the Son, brought near, reconciled. You must walk in these things. This is the disciple who obeys. This is how by the Spirit you put to death the works of the flesh. By his following, by his word, you follow it. Because the flesh comes and you do it. I was reading Epictetus, one of the philosophers my friend gave me. There's a word called ascension. And whatever thought comes to your mind, your thought doesn't just make your hand move. Your thought doesn't come to kill someone and then you kill. Because otherwise, every thought that we have, guys, we have some weird thoughts. We'll be doing some crazy things. The thought comes, there's an ascension. In the same way a king ascends the throne. There's an ascension. You choose to. In that gap, the Holy Spirit is saying, elsewhere you find that you don't fall in sin you think about it before the opportunity arises and you follow through there's no falling in sin you made that happen you knew what you were doing as you was doing it you knew it because should you be a Christian the spirit testifies within you he's speaking you should not be doing this I don't care what you like I don't care that your flesh enjoys it Romans 7, he will talk about the war between the flesh and the spirit. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do is what I find doing. 
So I find it is sin that's living in me. He says, who will save me from this vile curse? Jesus Christ. His sovereignty saves you from everything that would otherwise kill you. Submission to it will save you, restore you, and redeem you. So as I leave you today, let God be God. Let him be sovereign. Let him rule. What you have held dear and built your life upon, your whole identity upon, kick it. Say, Lord, start me afresh. Start me afresh. I'm tearing it all to the ground. You build me up. I'm going to read your word and see what stones I build on. What foundation I go on. This is all shaky. One day I'm happy. The next I'm done. One day I'm in God. The next I'm done. I don't want this iffy, iffy, iffy. Lord, you want me? I will break it down. You build it up. I will submit. I know you're willing and I know you've been waiting for me my whole life, Jesus. I know for years I've felt it. For years I've seen it. For years I've known it, but I've tried to live the same way on your feet. Stand on your feet, guys. I've tried to live it, though I know it was not right. Within my heart, I've known that this is not the way to go. Within my heart, I've known I've built on a rocky foundation. But my father, I'm coming, I'm returning. I don't know how I make it. I don't know how it goes. But Lord Jesus, I am submitted to you. It requires a submission of your will, of your identity. Everything you said about yourself must go. If God is to be sovereign, he must reign. He must reign in your life and see your life transformed. I have held it dear. I've held on to this for years, for time, time again. I've been in the same for this, but I've known in the bottom of my heart that this was never meant to be for me. But I've indulged, Lord, how do I come? How is it that you will speak to me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You're a man and I'm a woman. You're holy and I'm shameful. How will you deal with me? He says, don't ask questions that don't matter. If you knew the power within me, You only have today. Tomorrow is not promised to you. We speak of 2023 as if we have it. We'll speak of March as if we have it. April as if we have it. You only have today. Repent and turn away. What you have held dear that's incorrect, repent and turn away. Break it all down. This is not easy. Your flesh has enjoyed for a long time. It's not going to be an easy road, but by the Spirit, put to death the works of the flesh. Father, I thank you for today. We thank you for your time in our presence. You are in our midst, always. We thank you for our time in your presence. We are with you always. We bless you and give you the glory and the honor. Have your way in our lives. Lead us and guide us in ways eternal. Psalms 139. Examine our hearts, Lord. Show us which ways in us are leading us to death and lead us in paths everlasting. We surrender to you, O Lord. We thank you that there's no condemnation in you. There is no judgment. You don't hate us, but you love us. You don't separate yourself from us, but you recognize us and you approach us with love and mercy and kindness. You are merciful, a king, just and sovereign in all your ways. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening to this sermon, and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website, www.shiloh.org.uk. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at ShilohLDN. Once again, that's at ShilohLDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time.